Hey, folks, what you are about to hear is our live show from the Village Underground in New York City, which was in October. There are probably going to be a few moments that are a bit confusing because we incorporated some visual elements into the show, and that doesn't really translate very well to audio. So I'm going to break in a couple times to explain what people in the audience were actually seeing on the screen. If you would like to see the visuals, check out the show notes. And as always, the reason we are able to do this is because of our supporters. So please join us at BlockedAndReported.org. For just $5 a month, you'll get three extra episodes of this podcast every month, and you'll get early access to tickets to live shows in the future. Thanks to everyone who came out in Boston and New York and D.C. It was really fun to meet people, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Katie. How's it going? Pretty good. Yeah, I've been tormenting you for the last couple hours. We had to do a road trip today together. I will tell you about Jesse's car on the next episode. I think there were bodies in it. (laughs) So for the last couple hours, um, I told Katie I had an intro planned. I didn't want her to know what it was. Great idea. And I keep telling her I don't think it's going to go very well. Right. As usual. Which is dishonest. But um, it comes from the fact that Katie is a little bit of like a, what's the mm. word for it? Mm. A hick. Oh, a hick. A rube. Yeah, uh, you're from North Carolina. That's a slur. Yeah. When, you, when we got here, when we arrived in the car, in my amazing car, my uh-huh. 2009 Camry, uh-huh. your eyes were so wide at the buildings. <laughs> right. I've never seen buildings before. I do live in a van. This is a direct quote. This is what Katie said. How did them their buildings get so tall? <laughs> Your anti-Southern prejudice is showing. We had to pull over. She had a panic attack. Anyway. This didn't happen. I would like to make you feel uh, like a real New Yorker. I don't want to feel like a real New Yorker. I have a question for you. And before you answer it, keep in mind, this is the only intro I've prepared. And contractually, we have to fill 80 or 90 minutes. Are you going to ask me where I was on 9-11? <laughs> yeah, I know you were celebrating. Um, <laughs> hey, just because I'm Muslim. Come on. <laughs> I would like to teach you how to eat a slice of pizza like a New Yorker. I'm not going to fucking do this. I think we should. should. We should do this, yes? I'm not doing this. Don't encourage him. So imagine we're two hedge fund bros, right? We just finished a coke-fueled 22-hour session. We now uh, own the rights to like the minerals in the Central African Republic, okay? We're both wearing fleece vests. We're both wearing fleece vests. We go to the pizza place to celebrate. We go to Joe's, which is one of the best slices around. I'm new to prop comedy. This is not going to go well. He's new to comedy. This is not going to go well. This is audio, by the way, Jesse. You need to narrate everything that you're doing. There are two slices of pizza on the table. Okay, so the first thing any New Yorker knows... <laughs> What is the first thing that any New Yorker does? Before you eat the pizza, you have to tenderize the gluten. Just give that like two or three good smacks. Take it to Pound Town. Pound Town, okay. Harder. Is this pornographic? What? All right, that's the first thing. Um, no respectable New Yorker would eat their pizza without chopsticks. I hate you. Um, yeah, the last thing is, if you're a real working-class New Yorker, turmeric. (laughs) 
And we can't forget the condiment, which is mustard. <laughs> We're going to skip the mustard. I don't know how to open it. I'm not, I'm not going to fucking eat that. Okay. Everyone knows that real New Yorkers, as they bite into their pizza, what do you say? Say it with me. I'm walking here. <laughs> I can't believe she didn't take a bite. Really? You can't believe you, I didn't take a bite of the pizza? I actually can't believe All right. We are not repeating this in Arlington. Um, all right. Should let's do, do some. Show? No, let's do a show. Okay. Katie, what is the name of this live from New York podcast? This is Blocked and Reported, and I'm Katie Herzog. And I'm Jesse Single, as I swallow the turmeric-laced pizza. <laughs> Katie, today we're going to talk about everybody's favorite sex, male. Yeah, sure. Not mine. Specifically, we're going to talk about young males who spend too much time online and don't know how to talk to girls, which is a stretch of a subject for me to cover. Uh-huh. <laughs> These young men are... Um, they're filled to the brim with man juice, and they don't know what to do with that man juice. Are you talking about semen? No. I remember, so last night we had Carol Hooven on. She's an evolutionary biologist who studies testosterone, and I couldn't stop saying man oh, juice because right. it's I funny, it and I'm not going to stop saying man juice. Stop saying man juice. Man juice. I'm going to call HR on you. So, yeah, anyway, we have two stories about man juice to share with you tonight. So, who the fuck is Andrew Tate, and does his existence prove there is no God? <sighs> yes. I'm probably, I am going to spill this on your laptop. Is that okay? No. He needs a sippy cup. Does anybody have a sippy cup here? Or a bottle? Katie, we recently started getting a fair number of emails about Andrew Tate. Because we are not members of Andrew Tate's core audience, which is 16-year-old virgins with absent fathers, we didn't really know much about the guy. I'm going to warn you guys, we have a lot of virgin talk today, and this is not because we have any problems with virgins. One of us may be one. <laughs> Technically not. But <laughs> it, was a hel- it was a health issue, so it still counts. <laughs> she had four legs. So Andrew Tate, despite us not really knowing much about him, he is apparently one of the more famous people on the planet, at least as far as Google is concerned. Um, or at least he was during a brief, horrible span this summer. That's his line in blue. And on the screen here is a Google Trends chart. More popular or more talked about than Kim Kardashian, Khloe Kardashian, or Brad Pitt. Where's our line? Our line is so far up, you would need like a 10 skyscraper building. It's to in see the heavens. It. Yeah. So uh, who is this dude? He's basically a 35-year-old masculinity hustler. If you're a young man unsure of your place in a rapidly changing world... And especially if you're unsure how to talk to women, which I have trouble with on a weekly basis. Indeed. uh, Andrew Tate is sort of a punch to the face to knock you out of your complacency and teach you how to be the true alpha you were born to be. There are a lot of young men who might fall under his spell. There are a lot of young men who are truly pathetic, who have nothing going for them in the world, and you are hard to feel any empathy for. And on the screen is a photo of Jesse looking stupid. Shit, how did that get in there? (laughs) Sorry, that's Andrew Tate, actually. Um, so if, you, if any of you have a mi- male child, a boy, these are the two types of dudes. Yeah, the alpha and the omega. Hey, what's up, ladies? Um, okay. So... Uh-oh, there we go. There we go. Uh, so if you're one of these angry sorts of young men, a, a Jesse Single type, 
Andrew Tate will tell you how to get what you want. And more importantly, he'll tell tell you who's responsible if you don't get what you want. Women. Women. Uh, He blames women. He blames our modern liberal norms that coddle people like Katie because he thinks women (laughs) should sort of be under the control of uh, men. He says this pretty explicitly. And if you need proof that his ideology leads to success, look no further than his endless social media posts in which he's enjoying a luxe lifestyle that includes cars, a constant parade of women, and every other signal of high status imaginable. After achieving fame as a fairly successful professional kickboxer and a much less successful contestant on Big Brother Season 17, (laughs) Tate became an ardent enthusiast of multiple get-rich-quick schemes. These have included running a ring of webcam girls, so basically girls who strip on stage uh, or on camera for men who pay for the privilege of watching them do that, um, he also ran something called Hustlers University, which we will get to because it's amazing. And wasn't he investigated for sex trafficking, something like that? Weren't we all at one point or yeah. another? <laughs> um, yeah, I have to leave out some crazy stuff about his story. He's lived a rich life, to say the least, but uh, he moved to Romania in part because, direct quote, corruption is accessible to everybody there. <laughs> It's a democracy. It's true. It's true. It's a democracy. So he's a dude who has openly complained that in the UK, where he used to live, cops, bobbies, look down on attempted bribery. Tate, uh, so yeah, he moved to Romania because he likes the corruption, but apparently he failed to bribe the right people because his property was raided in April as part of a human trafficking investigation. Uh, There was an American girl there who may have been lured under false pretenses or abused somehow, but... um, no charges were filed. And we're an May. innocent until gu- yeah. proven guilty podcast. Cancel culture. <laughs> Cancel. <laughs> if I can't move to Romania and traffic girls, the SJWs have won. Exactly. <laughs> so we could talk about all this stuff forever, uh, but there's really no way to capture Andrew Tate except with the video clips that helped him make him way too famous. I had someone make the following supercut from two helpful internet documentaries I highly recommend. One's called The Decay of Andrew Tate, TikTok's Worst Alpha Male by Jay Aubrey. The other is called The End of Andrew Tate by Jamari. It's uh, all caps, so I'm trying to (laughs) capture that. Strap yourselves in. There are no other male role models because to inspire the youth of men, you need to be aspirational. They have to look at you and want to be like you. And there's no other male role models that have had the tenacity or the aggressiveness to have such a fantastic life as I have. If you have a seatbelt on your chair, put it on. If you don't, hold on tight. We're about to get rich. Right here, Hustlers University. Have you ever seen a college professor with an S63 and a McLaren and a Lambo and an Aston Martin standing next to a Porsche? No, you've never seen any of this. I know how to make cash. I set the difference between rich and poor. My amount of money is the amount of money you need to be rich. If you have less money than me, even by a single cent, you're a fucking brokey, a wagey, a peon, a peasant, a nobody. You are poor. If you don't believe in ghosts, the ghosts can't hurt you. If you don't believe in depression, you can't become depressed. And I refuse to believe in something that's gonna weaken me. Why would I believe in something that's gonna weaken my ability to deal with problems in life? And they say, well, what about Robin Williams? He was famous, he killed himself, blah, blah, blah. And I say, yeah, and I'll tell you why he killed himself. He Mm -hmm. killed himself because of people like you who are telling me, telling him depression is real, not people like me. If he would have walked into his first therapy session and his therapist said, look, Robin, you're a millionaire, you're famous, you can fuck any woman alive. You coming here is insulting to people with PTSD and genuine conditions. Grow up and get the fuck out of my office. I guarantee he'd still be alive. You are poor, you are weak, you are stupid. You are ugly and you are short. You are none of the things I am. 
And God put me on this planet specifically to remind you of how much you are failing. You are failing the experience of man because I exist. <laughs> okay, a lot of truth there. Uh, I do have one quibble. Robin Williams didn't have depression. He had Louis body dementia. Can we get a fact check? I was going to say that's your one fact-checking note from all that. I mean, the rest is fine. Uh, yeah. So those were only a few of the highlights of the stuff he said over the years. He's also expressed some other very interesting thoughts on other subjects. Uh, some of his most infamous statements were about rape. Uh, in 2017, as The Mirror summed it up, he said this about Harvey Weinstein and rape. Secondly, Harvey, creep, obviously, but women have been exchanging sex for opportunity for a very long time. Some did this, weren't abused. Of course, now they will say they were abused. However, at the time, it was a simple exchange they partook involuntarily. Not all, but some. Okay, not all. He said not all. If you put yourself in a position to be raped, you must bear some responsibility. What about that one, Katie? No comment. <laughs> He also said, I'm not saying it's okay you got raped. No woman should be abused regardless. However, with sexual assault, they want to put zero blame on the victim whatsoever. I mean, some skirts are really short. <laughs> I'm going to take a sip of my drink. Um, another big viral moment came when he got in a fight with a guy named John Rosenberg. Um, John Rosenberg is a webcomic artist. His kid had cerebral palsy, and John Rosenberg was trying to raise money to get him some sort of important surgery. This is who Andrew Tate chose to pick a fight with. Do you feel like a failure? I wish I could do his accent. What is his accent? Uh, Romanian, British. It's toxic masculinity. <laughs> it's like a mix of every country with lax sex trafficking laws. Yeah, it's it's me trying to do John Ronson trying to do. Can Helen you do Lewis. John Ronson right now? No, that oh. was it. I just did it. Do you feel like a failure that the amount you need to help your own son is less than a quarter that I spend on one of my five cars? <laughs> I will help you if you ask. It's nothing to me. Your comic books have failed, but I am a success. Ask nicely and I'll save your son. Okay. He offered to save his son. What's the problem here? <laughs> he turned down Andrew Tate's very generous offer, but there was a happy ending because Rosenberg raised uh, 71000 of the 65000 he was seeking to raise. Um some adults have taken note of Tate's influence on the youth and have started freaking out. This was posted to the subreddit for teachers. Have y'all heard of a sexist, misogynistic, disgusting excuse of human being known as Andrew Tate? Well, I promise you all your middle school and high school boys have, and they're addicted to his content. Just this week, I had to have six convos with families about their sons saying shit like women are inferior to men. Women belong in the kitchen. Not only are they making these misogynistic claims in class, but are literally refusing to do assignments if it's sourced from a woman. Um, so I do think we should take this sort of anonymous viral post with a grain of salt just as a general rule. But it's clear Tate has achieved some sort of notoriety escape velocity. And now, like, normie parents are very concerned about his influence. Yeah, I've heard from parents as well who uh, their sons watch this guy and like this guy and they're concerned about it. They haven't yet started writing articles about it in the New York Times, like the woman who wrote the piece about her kid, like, watching Jordan Peterson videos in the back of the car. But I feel like that's coming next week. Yeah. Um, so I think there are two reasons he caught on the way he did. And one is there's clearly a huge number of young men online who will cling desperately to any like daddy figure who gives him a little bit of tough love and guidance and structure. Jordan Peterson was that guy for a while and sort of still is. And then he, he ate too much meat. He ate too much meat. 
even if you disagree with his all meat diet or his daughter's all meat diet or his descent into insanity, he's sort of a giant Canadian teddy bear compared to Andrew Tate. Like emaciated Canadian An teddy bear. An emaciated Canadian teddy That's a good merch idea. Yeah. <laughs> it's just you can literally see its ribcage. Uh, yeah, but obviously there are a lot of masculinity hustlers out there, and almost none of them have achieved the heights of Andrew Tate. I think he has developed an expertly weaponized understanding of the attention economy. What seems to happen over and over is that Tate will say some extremely ridiculous, crazy shit, but then the internet's many nerdy fact-checker types just can't resist responding, which only amplifies him further. I bet a bunch of you have seen this great comic from XKCD, Katie, let's read it out. Are you coming to bed? I can't. This is important. What? Someone is wrong on the internet. Whoever did this really captured you well. Yeah. I was born with a blank face, and I had a surgeon fill in all my features, like a budget tie surgeon. You've, you've gained weight. I did gain weight. Um, we are all this man at the computer. We all have some tendency to not let shit go on the internet. Um, and I think Tate's become a giant figure by taking advantage of this dynamic. Like, a lot of people are just fundamentally incapable of ignoring wrongness, even in cases where it's so wrong, that would be the best bet. Like, there's a reason don't feed the trolls has been a common saying in online communities since the days of, like, dial-up internet and message boards. Maybe the most famous example of people feeding the trolls in Tate's case came in 2017 when he tweeted some awful shit about depression. Here's an article that ran in Upworthy, if anyone remembers what that is. In 2017, as the mirror put it, a terrible tweet about depression has the internet in an uproar. J.K. Rowling and Patton Oswalt to the rescue. My, how things change. You just like, you get up, you go to your closet, you put on a cape, and then you sit back down at your computer. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they have his quotes there. He said, depression isn't real. He said, you feel sad, you move on. He said, you will always be depressed if your life is depression depressing. At the time, he had 26,000 followers. Sure enough, J.K. Rowling and Patton Oswalt did weigh in. Rowling said, This thread will teach you a lot about the defense mechanism of projection, but zero about the real mental illness that is depression. And then she said, Trans women aren't women. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Patton Oswalt got even angrier. He took on Tate's points one by one. One, false. Two, you're not sad. You're insane and can't move on and need help. Three, false. Four, energy drink tagline bullshit. Five, fuck you. No thread. <laughs> so everyone had to chime in in the hopes of sparking their own viral smackdown of Andrew Tate, this dumb, toxic caveman bro who at the time almost no one had heard of. Like 26,000 followers is not a lot if you're an influencer. Um, but every time this happened, his message was amplified further because these guys had 10, 20, 30 times as many followers as he did. And I think this helped his profile explode. Um, the account we just showed you got shut down, but his active one, at Covertate King, has 130,000 followers. Rolling Stone said he peaked at 4.6 million followers on Instagram and three quarters of a million on YouTube. His most successful venture by far appears to have been Hustlers University. So it's sort of... You need to first imagine the sort of person who would pay for business advice from that guy you just saw in the video. Um, it offers the boys who follow Tate a chance to hang out with, quote, millionaire professors. What, like Ibram Kendi? Like oh, Ibram Robin D'Angelo? Now, oh, God, imagine that. Robin D'Angelo and Andrew Tate. <laughs> we got to both get them both on the but pod. But it just, it like works and they actually have a good conversation and just meet halfway. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Tate moderates Robin D'Angelo. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, so, yeah, in a certain way, there's a lot of these like get rich quick masculinity schemes, but there's an element of Tate's that's totally fascinating that ties into TikTok, which is, according to Pew, the most social, uh, most popular social media platform for teens and far more popular among them than Twitter. So here's what The Observer wrote about this, which I found very interesting. His rapid surge to fame was not by chance. Evidence obtained by The Observer shows that followers of Tate are being told to flood social media with videos of him choosing the most controversial clips in order to achieve maximum views and engagement. The coordinated effort involving thousands of members of Tate's private online academy, Hustlers University, and a network of copycat accounts on TikTok has been described by experts as a blatant attempt to manipulate the algorithm. They also provide these like horrifying numbers. He got 127,000 kids to pay 39 pounds a month to join Hustlers University, which is arguably more money than we make. Arguably. More than you make. Yeah. I don't, okay. know, what, I don't know what the cut is. Katie controls the finances. Yeah. Okay. So... People are paying Andrew Tate to attend his university, and then while enrolled at the university, they learn how to make videos of Andrew Tate. Exactly. A yeah, genius. it's a foolproof business model. Yeah. There's also this like sleazy affiliate marketing program where folks can make money by getting their friends to join uh, Hustlers University. So, like any good scam, there's a multi-level marketing aspect to it. Okay, so it's like the toxic masculinity version of selling leggings on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, more or less. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the dude's been able to totally weaponize the oppositional nature of the internet. And in a weird way, this reminded me of us. How? We've both had periods. I'm sure no one... You've no- never had a period. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, I was just going to end the sentence there. We both had periods. Also, we both had spans of time when everyone was mad at us online. That's true. As some of you may have noticed. Once in a while. And uh, I've definitely had people come up to me and say, I didn't know who you were. Then I saw people were flipping the shit about you, and I read your stuff, and I liked it. I'm now a subscriber. Yeah, I've said this before, but uh, sometimes I feel like I should send the people in Seattle who put up stickers calling me a transphobe fruit basket because they drove people to my work. It's how it works. Like Even if you think you're dunking on someone, you are expanding their reach and, yeah. and the number of people who see them, and some percentage of that group... We'll give you money. They'll we'll come to your money. show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I also think Tate is good at exploiting weaknesses in the sort of hegemonic liberal culture young dudes encounter online. There's this dynamic some of you may be familiar with where if like there's a group of 100 people online, 90 of them can be perfect, decent, kind, you know, Jesse single types. <laughs> but then 10 of them are Katie Herzog's. <laughs> And the Herzogs come to sort of dominate that group. It's like that group consists of assholes. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I can't think of any other examples. (laughs) Um, So I think there is a crop of online feminist writers and pundits who have sort of dominated social media over the last decade. And they tend to be very arch and focused on ridiculing and overgeneralizing about men. This does not mean all feminists are like that by any means. But it does mean if you're a 17-year-old male with little real-world experience social media can absolutely inundate you with examples of women just being mean and cruel and judging you over stuff you feel like you have no control over. Um, So because of this, a lot of like people, especially angry young men who Tate might be able to target view feminism as synonymous with this sort of sarcastic online bullying. And and with this sort of imagery, which I'm borrowing from a post uh, Scott Alexander did on this phenomenon in 2015. So you have a guy in a fedora saying, "Milady." And that was actually how I approached you to start a podcast. <laughs> actually, I called you my lady. 
We have the innocent young woman responding in horror. We have neckbeards of Reddit bragging about interacting with women. And that is me on the bottom left with the man boobs. Um, that yeah. was a self-portrait they used without my permission. Yeah, uh, we're actually having a GoFundMe for Jesse's top surgery. Uh, you can donate after the show. So yeah, there are a lot of negative depictions of awkward young men online. I actually recently asked um, Nama Cates, the host of the podcast Incel, where she just interviews incels, and it's terrifying and fascinating whether she thought this was a factor. Is she here? Oh, I thought she's here. I thought someone <laughs> said she's here. I'm hallucinating. Uh, I thought her response was was really smart. She basically talked about how one of the first incels I talked to mentioned the errant men are trash tweet as a shorthand for feminist talk. That's actually just misinterest, and that kind of talk is considered empowerment, or at worst, just written off as cute or harmless or relatable. The reverse would not be true. In my personal opinion, it's sort of natural for men and women to gripe about each other's behavior in private. Now with online culture, that private stuff becomes public in all its bitterness and ugliness and people reading things they probably shouldn't. Men look in women's spaces. Women look in men's spaces. Um, so, I mean, Katie, I take it you're, you're sympathetic to this idea that there's certain forms of like hashtag fuck all men discourse that are counterproductive. Yeah, and I think there's a it's sort of a self-perpetuating cycle where you have a group of hyper-online feminists who are responding in part to people like Andrew Tate, and so they spread hashtag men are trash, something that wouldn't be permitted on most social platforms about any other demographic, and then people see that, young men in particular see that, and they respond by going towards people like Andrew Tate. Yeah, um, so I think Tate really feasts off of that because that's the way he gains acolytes. He tells these young men, like, the world is against you, the culture is against you, and then it's easy to find examples of that even if they're not representative. Um, and, uh, yeah. Do you want to name some names? About the feminists who do that? Yeah. No, I'm scared. Yeah, you they'll, should be. They'll bully me. I'm they just an innocent young man <laughs> trying to make my way in the world. Innocent young enrollee of Hustlers University. <laughs> okay, so what's happened to Tate recently? He's been in the news a lot. Yeah, so in August, the shit really hit the fan for his business model. Um, the Times reported that Andrew Tate, a former professional kickboxer who frequently made misogynistic... I wish whenever I came up in the news, it just said a former professional <laughs> kickboxer. <laughs> That's such a cool thing to have associated with your name. Uh, he's been banned in the last week from Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok after concerns about his influence on his millions of followers escalated. Around this time, the affiliate marketing portion of Hustlers University also appears to have been shut down. Uh, so is he fucked? I mean, that can't be good for business. I think he's... Does he have a substack? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Hamish is in town. You should talk to him. Hamish um, is No, I think he's semi-fucked. Like, he still has all these flying monkeys doing his bidding. He still has a big subscription base. But yeah, it'll be hard for him to maintain his momentum, the, the blue line going up, being banned from these accounts. And I actually find myself a little bit torn about the deplatforming here. Like, I think it can be, both be true that it's better for the world for Tate to not have those influence. But it's also bad because like it, it always seems like social media platforms aren't consistent about this and it's sort of capricious who they do or don't kick off for violating the terms of service. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's also interesting that all of these platforms banned him at the same time. Yeah. No collusion. No collusion. <laughs> um, yeah, so before we wrap up this segment, I just want to highlight something really disturbing I found, even more disturbing, during my in-depth investigation of Andrew Tate. Oh, what's that? I found that you and him are really similar. Huh. Mm. 
I do have a Ferrari. Okay, it's a van. You both participated in a high level in a fringe sport no one cares about. You were a That's kayaker, true. correct? That's true. What is a kayaker? I can't get into okay. it. You wouldn't understand. Tade was a, Tade was a kickboxer. Um, you both have like an army of online psychos who attack anyone <laughs> who criticizes you. Yes, here they are. <laughs> this one really disturbed me. You both believe that women should serve traditional <laughs> roles? Yeah, women should stay in the podcast booth. This is a true story that really upset me. The first time I met you, your wife cooked for us, yeah. which is really misogynistic. I will beat her afterward, after the show for you. She is here. She will be punished. In all my research, I was only able to find one difference between the two of you, which is that only one of you has a husky, authoritative <laughs> voice. And it's me. Yeah. Um, the most disturbing similarity I found between the two of you centers on your business model. You both make a living via brazen online scam, which entails fooling <laughs> vulnerable people into handing over their credit card info. Well, as I was saying, you may actually be right about this because I read online just yesterday that Andrew Tate has converted to Islam. Allahu Akbar. <laughs> um, is that everything we wanted to say about Andrew Tate? Yeah, should we do some housekeeping? Do you do housekeeping at a live show? I guess we do housekeeping. Right. I mean, if no one, if someone's in this room and doesn't know what we are, that Sorry. would be confusing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're a podcast. We're Blocked and Reported. You can go to blockedandreported.org to check us out. You can become a primo. Mm -hmm. That's ballsy for us. They pay to see <laughs> us. They're like, give us more money. <laughs> Are we better than Andrew Tate, honestly? No, definitely not. Definitely not richer. Check us out on Reddit and so forth. Blocked and reported podcast at gmail.com. First it? person yeah. to send me an email. Oh, wait, do they have Wi-Fi down here? No. No. If anyone, I had signal. First person who sends me an email from the show, six months free. No. That's like, what do you mean no? It's 24 fucking dollars. Okay. <laughs> who who is the Jew here? What is it? <laughs> What is the, like, you got to send something, just an email. An email send him with a, dick a haiku pic. Please send about him a dick pic. A metered haiku about the experience of being in this room with us tonight. <laughs> okay, uh, now we have to switch seats. Give us a second. Is there any way to do this not awkwardly? No, all right, you go in the front. Do you want to do a quick hug as we pass No, don't touch me. Let me adjust the mic since the giant is off the stage. He has an endocrine disorder. Okay. That was private. <laughs> All right. Now we have a, another tale about virgins. Virgin Fest. New Yorkers other. love 9-11 jokes, by the way. <laughs> the other 9-11. Okay. Uh, yes, we're going to talk about Virgin Fest. Uh, this was not actually the theme of Jesse's last birthday. Um, but before we get to that, first you need to know some background on a, a musical genre called incel core, uh, which is, of course, derived from the edgelord subspecies known as the incel. Now, considering that we are in a room full of people who paid, good, or paid money, um, <laughs> to see a podcast live. I assume that most of you are intimately familiar with the incel, but 
Jesse, why don't you just give us a little primer in case anybody stumbled in here? Why am I the incel expert? I don't. <laughs> Great question. Uh, yeah, an incel is a, a involuntary celibate. It's a young man who can't have sex and wants to. And it started as like a genuine support group for young men seeking advice and comfort. But a segment of it has gotten really dark and they sort of hate women. Like not the normal hating Katie kind of hating women, but like dark, dark, unjustified stuff. Okay. That's about right. Uh, But just so we can get a visual image, I've got a photo of one. Oh, cool. Right here. Another photo of Jesse looking stupid. All right. As you can see, the incel is hairy, unkempt, and wears noise-canceling headphones to keep the sound of women's voices out of his ears. I will say, in my defense, that photo was taken as I was Googling how to have sex. Yeah. That's the problem. you got to bing it. You can't Google it. you got to bing it. Okay. So that's an incel. But incel core as a musical genre began with a guy who goes by the name Negative XP, a.k.a. School Shooter. Uh, A.k.a. School Shooter. Yeah. Pictured here wearing the official incel uniform, a t-shirt that says Incel Lives Matter. Um, Negative XP's government name is Alan Kim. He's a Georgia-based home studio musician who has been creating simple lo-fi punk songs about nostalgia, alienation, other sad boy topics since around 2019. He wants a girlfriend. He can't get a girlfriend. He loves women. He hates women. Ad nauseum. Uh, His most popular song is called Scott Pilgrim vs. The World Ruined a Whole Generation of Women. And let's uh, check out a little bit from a fan-created... Oh, fuck. Music video here. I've never had a job. I don't know how to run a PowerPoint. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. It's really good. Just wait for it. Not that. Conceited with low self-esteem She's a teenage dream If you hate yourself Bright dyed hair and obnoxious clothes Thinks communism is the way to go She's a horror hole A dime a dozen Jezebel Lord mine Okay, that's probably enough of that. Um... Jesse actually made us listen to that song twice on the drive from Boston because he likes it. No, no, no. There's lyrics I disagree with, such as she's a whore, a hole, a dime a dozen Jezebel. The sound is pretty good. If you replace the lyrics with something about going to synagogue or how awesome America is, that would be good music. Okay, um... We, he has been kicked off of Twitter, but we have... Wait, wait, wait. You're saying school shooter got kicked off of yeah, Twitter? Yeah, it's shocking. It's shocking. Uh, that doesn't seem justified. But um, they really... They don't enforce these rules well. More okay. cancel culture. When Elon comes, uh, takes over Twitter, we'll bring him back. Elon just gets yeah. in there. He's like, school shooter. Yeah. Welcome back aboard. Yeah, Donald Trump and school shooter. Okay, so he has been kicked off of Twitter, but we have um, a screenshot of one of his old tweets just so you can get sort of the ethos here. It reads, one time this girl on Tinder unmatched me because I commented on her ironic Hitler quote with a little too much enthusiasm. Honestly, it's happened to all of us. And the, the question, is this man an actual Nazi? It's a good question. If you take him at his word or his music, the answer is yes. Uh, here are a few lyrics from his hit song, I'm a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> 
they read, yeah, well, I'm a Nazi, and I hate the things you do, and frankly, you can suck me if this applies to you. I don't care what you think, I don't care what you say, because all the things you do are really gay, you're gay, you're gay. How, how did he get away with so directly plagiarizing Taylor Swift? I know, I know, I know. Okay, would negative XP actually condone mass murder? Hard to tell. Uh, he does use Nazi-associated iconography in his album art, but it's hard to tell because he's an edgelord, and edgelords freak people out. It's what they do. I think you're being too harsh on negative XP, a.k.a. <laughs> a school shooter. Uh, no, I do think there's this thing where in these subcultures, like the only imperative is to trigger the normies and to say things that are as transgressive as possible. So I do think this whole thing is like, I'm a Nazi. It's like, he's, it's a version of, it's childish, but he's like, oh, you're going to call me a Nazi. Okay, I'm a Nazi. Like, I don't, I don't think our little Asian soy boy here is going to actually, is a Nazi. I mean, he's no Kanye West. He's no Kanye West. Okay, but regardless of his politics, he's, he's become somewhat of a hero to a, a set of, of disaffected young men, including a number of actual incels and ironic incels, and he basically built incelcore as a genre. And you may assume that incelcore is mostly loser emo punk, like the shit that Jesse listens to. Um, Get but, up, kids. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but there's actually, it's pretty diverse. So there are folk incel core bands, hip hop incel core bands, pop incel core bands, metal incel core bands, etc. Is there klezmer incel core? <laughs> like, I want a girlfriend, <laughs> I want a girlfriend. Yeah, uh, they played that at your bar mitzvah. Okay, so what all these forms of music have in common is that it's thematic and the themes that they return to are that women are bitches. Incel core artists are often accused of being white supremacists, although a number of them, including negative XP, aka school shooter, are not actually white, although he's Asian, so. White adjacent. Yeah. Uh, there's also a surprising number of women in the scene, although they tend to be fans rather than performers themselves. I, no matter how many times we rehearse this, this idea of a guy who gets up with a guitar and is like, I'm a loser, no one loves me, I've never had sex. The girl in the audience is like, I want that. I am so into that. Yeah, I mean, it, it'd be like, you know, you'd have your pick of the litter, right? It'd be being like the, the only girl at MIT. <laughs> Okay, so incel core has grown into a legitimate, though relatively small phenomenon in the last few years. And in mid-2021, an incel core fan and tattoo artist in Atlanta named Raven had an idea. What if this weird internet community could go beyond the internet and actually meet up in person? Horrible idea. I know. So after getting permission from her employer to use the tattoo shop as a venue, she began contacting artists, drawing up posters, basically organizing an incel, incel core music festival. The title, Virgin Fest. The date, the edgiest one around, September 11, 2021. It's fitting because they wanted to attempt to destroy the twin towers of desperation and loneliness. Yeah, they were waging jihad against not getting laid. Okay. Here's the first flyer that she produced. I can imagine people getting that tattooed on their bodies. Uh, okay, so Raven had the venue, and she got all these bands to agree to play, and some far-right e-celebrities were going to show up, and Negative XP was going to headline, and it was going to be great, right? It was just like this show tonight, a gathering of like-minded people doing their embarrassing hobbies together in public. <laughs> but then, almost immediately, things begin to fall apart. 
it's very surprising that a group that brags about its like social dysfunction could not put together a social gathering. I'm yeah. surprised at that outcome. Uh, first, Negative XP said on Twitter that he didn't know anything about it, tweeting, I literally Ouch. don't know what this version fest thing is, and I never agreed to anything, and I think they're just using the Negative XP name for promotion. They're just using the good publicity that surrounds School Shooter to try to benefit. Uh, then other bands started announcing that they were out too. Soda Boy dropped out. No, not Soda Boy. And then Fried by Fluoride couldn't attend because he allegedly suffered a mental breakdown. Because he was so upset, Soda Boy dropped out. Yeah, probably. After that, 13th Century Cowboy, best known for his sit single, Marcus Aurelius, vanishes from the internet overnight. Rumor has it he was doxxed by Antifa and decided to retire completely from public life. Then after that, Neat dropped out because Cowboy was out, etc. So eventually, nearly half the original lineup drops out, but Raven pivots. She makes new posters reflecting the updated lineup. They've still got bands coming. They've got the venue. They've got t-shirts that say, I lost my virginity at Virgin Fest. <laughs> and even if those first losers don't show up, there are plenty of other losers who will. The show must go on, right? Well, not if Antifa has anything to do with it. <laughs> Jesse, you want to give us a little primer on Antifa? Antifa is like a loosely organized group of cells around the country, and they fight fascists in the street wherever fascists may arise. And uh, who do they know who's a fascist? The fact that you would even ask that question suggests I should call Antifa on you. Yeah. That's I mean, sort of the problem is like Antifa's definite. They do sometimes confront actual fascists. They also have a tendency to call a lot of different people fascists and then put on masks and punch them and stuff. Including all of you. All of you. All of you are fascists. They're waiting outside. Yeah. Okay, so what started as this very niche event, niche, it's not niche. niche. I don't want to get your comments. So, this is the wor her they, worst they opinion. They always complain about that. Uh, had, at this point, only attracted attention from within the subculture, but Atlanta and Tifa had been monitoring their social media accounts, and the day of the event, they start posting. First, they tweet, heads up, tonight at Toki Tattoo on McDonough Boulevard in Atlanta, far-right edgelord hipsters are holding virgin fests. The headliner, Negative XP, is a misogynist POS, that's piece of shit, uh, whose, Language. Best, yeah, whose best known song is about a whore, a hole. Many of his followers are racist gripers who will likely attend. Remind everyone what a griper is. It's a relative of an insult, I would say, like a far right, uh, also can't get laid, very conservative po politics, usually operate around uh, under pseudonyms. They have like a Pepe the Frog fetish. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, you can go back and listen to it. There's a small subset that. of people here who don't, yeah, who like group gripers are new to you. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry you now know what a griper is, or Andrew yeah. Tate for that matter. Okay, so uh, Raven, the organizer of the festival, tries to quash the brewing drama. She DMs Atlanta and Tifa and says, can you please delete your tweet about Virgin Fest? We are not associated with the Grapers at all. This is simply a fun show we are throwing and none of us are far right, question mark, question mark. I don't know why these people can't use punctuation. That's a Zoomer thing, like putting question yeah. marks where they don't belong. I hate that. Yeah. Atlanta Antifa, however, is not swayed by her protest, and they continue posting about the festival and the alleged Nazis, misogynists, and groupers who will be attending. They publish her full name and accuse her of following far-right accounts. They connect Virgin Fest to the mass shooting at three Atlanta spas that killed eight people, and in typical Atlanta fa Antifa fashion, they never explicitly tell their followers to go out and intimidate the tattoo parlor into canceling the show. They just post the address over and over again while claiming 
claiming that the people going are literal Nazis. Right. Well, will no one rid me of these meddlesome virgins. Yeah. As, as Shakespeare said. So the afternoon of the show, rumors start circulating about bomb threats at the tattoo shop. And then just hours before the show is supposed to begin, the tattoo shop says they're pulling out. Raven announces this on Instagram saying, yo, Virgin Fest is not being held at Toki Tattoo. Sorry if I offended or gave the wrong ideas out. I did not know the extent of the situation. I do not support violence or extreme views. Sorry, love you, be safe, everyone. This, however, is not enough for Antifa, which demands that Raven also get fired from her job, writing on Twitter, sorry if I offended is not great framing. The tattoo shop has said nothing about its continued employment of the fest organizer. Do you think, like, so whoever operates this account, do they think they're fighting fascism by making sure the tattoo girl gets fired? Yeah, that's exactly why my grandfather went to Europe to uh, liberate your people and to rid the world of problematic tattoo artists. Katie, I think everyone here knows your grandfather fought on the other side of that conflict. Mm, mm, mm. If he weren't dead, he would kick your ass for that. I, he would because he'd say I'm Jewish. <laughs> okay. Still, the bands are there. The people have traveled from far away. And then Raven shows some startup initiative and immediately pivots. Oh, shit. oh wait. I missed something. Sorry, folks. Um, okay, so despite the announcement, attendees begin showing up only to the tattoo shop, only to find out that the doors of the venue are locked. I'm imagining they're gathered there. They want to bang on the door in outrage, but their puny little arms are too weak. Yeah. So they're like, eh. Yeah, it's like a T Rex yeah, situation. T-re- incel T Rex. Yeah. Okay. Were there T Rex incels? Does anyone know? Oh, I'm sure. Must have been. It's in the, it's a, one of the storylines in the New Jurassic Park. I watched it on <laughs> the plane. Oh my god! Yeah. He gets like radicalized online. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so the bands are there. I'm now very distracted by that. That would some, be so good. Okay, some people sorry. have traveled from far away, and they show some real initiative by immediately pivoting to a new venue just four minutes away. The new spot is in the woods of a nearby park, and since they don't have electricity uh, for things like amps, they're going to do Virgin Fest Unplugged. Here's a clip. Uh, this is from the Nazi-adjacent event. Nazi-adjacent. That, Vir- that Antifa tried to cancel. The FBI is watching me go to my room. They like my hair, my face. Sing it if you know it. <laughs> okay, I actually do it like It seems that so one. wholesome. Yeah, it's nice. Like he's singing about the I FBI guess I like watching. Nazis now. Like that, <laughs> that seem, it seems fun. And like any good show, there's some dancing. Jesse, is that some kind of Jewish breakdancing? Yeah, so in the old country, if the beet harvest was bountiful and only half the village died in the cold, that's the dance you would do to celebrate. Yeah. Okay, so vibes are high. Negative XP actually did show up and play a set, although he did it in a disguise for some reason. Here's a photo of him and Raven. Cute couple. 
Yeah, it's te- it's terrifying. It's a mugshot, and they're uh, wanted on charges of racism and being virgins. <laughs> and shoplifting from several costumes. Shoplifting jobs. from several costumes. Okay, Antifa, meanwhile, has been following this all online, which is easy to do because somebody is live streaming it. So Antifa live streams the whole thing. They're taking screenshots and posting photos of the people there. And then a lone protester actually does show up. We have some of that footage here. about the Antifa outfit, though. He's like a surgical mask. He needs to be wearing a balaclava and a, a shirt with Andy No's face on it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, even that brave soul in the surgical mask flipping off Virgin Fest cannot shut this thing down. So then Antifa does something that might seem a little out of character for this kind of group. They call the police. <laughs> in, their defa- in their defense, on the one hand... Being anti-cop is central to the Antifa identity. On the other hand, when you face a threat this dangerous <laughs> and this imminent, you know, you need to mortgage your principles sometimes. Yeah, and of course Antifa did not claim credit for calling the police on the uh, Virgin Fest in the woods. Um, I like to think it looks someone like someone like this. And yet another photo of Jesse looking stupid. Composite sketch. Yeah. Okay, so whoever did call the cops uh, probably assumed that they were going to, you know, shut this thing down, but that's not actually what happened. Instead, the cops arrive, they see this peaceful little unpermitted accusing music festival in the woods, and instead of shutting it down, they decide to join in. Here's a clip of what happened next. probably enough of that okay okay so this all leads to the best photo wait can can we reset that for one minute antifa calls the cops on the incels (laughs) the cops arrive five minutes later they're dancing with a crowd chanting we love cops i have that correct right you have that correct that is indeed what happened and this leads to the greatest photo of the night, which I think this really shows the diversity of incel core. A black cop, a white cop, and an Asian guy wearing a t-shirt that says, I lost my virginity at Berger I, I have, I have so many thoughts about this. I'm secure enough to say, first of all, that is a bona fide hot cop on the left. Do you think... Do I you think, think he's actually a stripper. That is a stripper cop. They, they called the wrong number. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Also, the the concept of a virgin has been so sort of there's like virgin inflation. That kid in the middle doesn't look like a virgin. No, like that's no. not what because you can tell from what people look like. No, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> They're usually wearing their podcast t-shirts. Exactly. <laughs> okay, Jesse. So this may have been a story about a failed attempt to cyber bully a bunch of weirdos, but alas, there is a sad postscript. 
Antifa may not have gotten Virgin Fets canceled, but a few days after the event, the tattoo shop announced that Raven had been fired. That's unfair. Her only crime was terrible taste in men and music. Yeah. So a GoFundMe was set up to help Raven out. Unfortunately, it only raised $1,600. But uh, since we here on Blockstar Reported support canceled artists, um, I got you something from her online store. Ooh. I didn't lose my virginity at Virgin Fest. <laughs> With the bands, including Negative XP on the back. Thank you, Katie. Maybe next year, Jesse. Maybe next year. Yeah, put it on. Can you, like, come out as an incel later in life? <laughs> I have an announcement. Adult onset. Uh, Adult in, onset. Inceleffery. <laughs> Thank you for the shirt, Katie. Thank you for the heartwarming story. Uh-huh. Do you have anything else to say about virgins? Only that I look forward to having 72 of them in heaven. Um, for th- there's probably a few of you who are less familiar with the show. Barpod Canon is that Katie is Muslim. I don't even remember where that came from. <laughs> it was a long I time ago. I don't remember. Yeah. Okay, so we have to wrap up. A couple quick things. One is thank you guys so much. I mean, th- this has changed our life. It's crazy that we get to do this just a couple years in. Thank you so much for coming. I want to say thank you to Katie, who is a wonderful co host and a great friend and a mediocre business partner. <laughs> We're so bad at it. Yeah. So bad. A lot of this show was put together by two of our producers. Um, I forget what names we're using. Trace, Trace. Tracy Woodgrains. Yeah. They won't use. They won't let us use their real names. I don't know why. Lex. We'll give their social security numbers yeah. too. Um, and uh, and yeah. our designer Shannon. Yeah, our designer Shannon. All these slides were her. Yeah. Um, I want to thank my friends who came. One other thing, just to end on a sad note. Um, some of you know my mom died a year and a half ago. Sydney Altman. She grew up. A couple miles east of here in the Lower East Side. A lot of my half of this show, Katie's half of the show is whatever weird shit is going on in her broken brain. A lot of my show does come from like my mom's sense of cynicism and skepticism and and questioning authority. So uh, I miss her a lot. And and she's in every episode. And I'm glad I get to do this. And I wish she was here. She's watching down on you. Watching. She's not really. Thank you guys so much. This is incredible. Thank you guys.